بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما In our last session we spoke about the personality of Amir al-Mu'mineen Umar ibn al-Khattab and we spoke about his detachment from the pleasures of this dunya that he didn't have any concern for any type of luxury or any type of enjoyment of this dunya and we spoke about how he only ate the most simple foods and he only wore the most simple clothing and he was never interested in having any type of luxury whatsoever. Ziyad ibn Abdullah narrates that once he went to meet Umar ibn al-Khattab and when Ziyad came to meet Umar Ziyad was wearing a very nice garment and he was very, wearing very nice socks and he came to meet Umar and Umar sees Ziyad dressed like this with a very fine garment and a very nice pair of socks. And Umar he always used to have this uh, stick with him. He used to carry this stick with him. It's a legendary stick. You'll hear a lot of stories about this stick. So he had this stick with him. And he saw Ziyad wearing these clothes and wearing these socks. And he starts hitting Ziyad on the socks with his stick. Like, why are you wearing these fancy socks? Why do you need to wear these type of socks? So he starts hitting him with the, with the stick until Ziyad mentions that my foot started hurting actually by being hit by that stick of Umar radiallahu anhu. So he got, the, he got the picture. Ziyad understood what Umar radiallahu anhu was trying to convey to him by continuously hitting him with that stick on his socks. He realized that, okay, maybe I should be more simple. So the next day he came to meet him again. And this time he was just wearing a basic cotton garment and he was wearing some cheap rough type of socks. So completely different type of attire compared to the day before. And he realized that this, this would be something that Umar would be more appreciative of. That Umar would see that you know, this is a detachment from this dunya. That I'm putting all of my focus in the hereafter. So he learned this lesson we shouldn't have this type of concern for this dunya and rather we should focus our efforts on the hereafter. It doesn't mean that it's haram to wear nice clothes and nice shoes and nice socks. It's fine to do that. But these guys were at such a level where that didn't have any type of importance to them anymore. So Ziyad now he comes the next day wearing a very simple garment and wearing these rough socks and Umar radiallahu anhu when he sees him now he's happy. Now he's happy and he says, Hakada Yaziyad, Hakada Yaziyad. This is how it should be, Yaziyad. This is how it should be, Yaziyad. And then he noticed the socks in particular that he was wearing. They were very rough type of socks. And they didn't look luxurious at all. They looked very simple. So Umar radiallahu anhu, when he saw these socks, he asked Ziyad, Yaziyad, become ishtarait hadain al khuffain Oh Ziyad, how much did you buy these? these socks for, these khuffain for, how much did you pay for it? And Ziyad said, it was only one dirham. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was only one dirham, very cheap. 
So then Umar radiallahu anhu, he gets out a dirham from his pocket and he gives it to him and says, go buy me one just like that too. So he goes and buys it for him as well. This just shows the simplicity of the lives that these people had. Umar radiallahu anhu, this was, this was the time that Umar radiallahu anhu was the most powerful man in the world. He had conquered the Persian Empire and also Asham. So he was extremely powerful at the height of his power. There was no one in the world, no other king or no other ruler who had the type of power that Umar had at this time. Yet still Umar he wants to buy a pair of socks for one dirham. So it shows that even though he, he had the dunya in his hand, he did not have it in his heart. The dunya did not have any place in his heart. Rather, his heart was only focused on the hereafter. So this was the zuhud of Umar. This was the simplicity of the life that Umar led even at the height of his power. Once Umar ibn al-Khattab was walking outside of Medina on a very hot day. It was a very hot day. The sun was out. Those of you who have been to the Arabian Peninsula, who have been to Medina, you know how hot it gets on a hot day. So Umar he was outside on the outskirts of the city on a hot day and, and he didn't have a riding animal with him. He was walking. So to protect himself from the sun, he put his upper garment over his head like this to basically make some type of a shade for himself from the sun. And he was walking, walking towards Medina. And at that time, a, a young boy came on a donkey, came riding a donkey. And this young boy on his donkey was also on his way to Medina. So he passed by Umar radiallahu anhu and Umar was walking. So Umar radiallahu anhu, it's a hot day, he sees this guy, this young boy on a donkey, riding towards the city. So he asked the young boy, he says, can I take a ride with you? Would you mind if I got on the back of your donkey and you know, we can Go th both go into the city together. He's asking this young boy. And the young boy knows who it is. This is Amirul Mu'mineen. This is Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu. So the young boy says, Ya Amirul Mu'mineen, I will get off the donkey. You sit on the donkey. I will walk and you take the donkey into Medina. No problem. But Umar radiallahu anhu, he would not accept this. He would say, no, you will not get down. That's your donkey. You are riding it. I'm not going to make someone get down from their riding animals so that I can sit on it and go into, into Medina? What gives me the right to do such a thing? No. I just want to take a ride with you if you will allow so. So then the young boy, he says, okay. Okay, you can take a ride with me, sure. But you sit in the front, yeah, Amir al-Mu'minin, I will sit in the back. When two people are riding a donkey together, the person who is in the back is going to be more uncomfortable. That's, that's basically the way a donkey is shaped. If two people are riding it, the person on the back is going to be kind of more uncomfortable. The person in the front is going to be more comfortable. So the boy says, Ya Amir al-Mu'minin, you sit in the front, I'll sit in the back, and we go in, we'll go into the city together. And then Umar radiallahu anhu says, no, it will never happen this way. You will stay in the front, I will sit in the back, and we will go into the city together. He insisted upon this. So the young boy had to accept this. So he said, okay, whatever you say, Ya Amir al-Mu'minin. Whatever you order, I am under your command. So Umar radiallahu anh sat on the back of the donkey. The young boy is in the front of the donkey and 
they ride into Medina together. So when they enter Medina, the people of the city, they see this donkey entering Medina and they see a young boy in the front and they see Amirul Mu'mineen. They see their own ruler, their own leader. They see him sitting on the back of that donkey coming into Medina in a very simple manner on this hot day. And they were amazed. They were just amazed at these principles of Amirul Mu'mineen. That he's so powerful, yet still he lives such a simple life and he still remains so humble. So he shunned the pleasures of this world. He, he actively shunned the pleasures of this world. The pleasures of this world would come to him in his face and he would turn away from it. This was his personality. And of course, he took his position as the caretaker of the Muslim Ummah, as the one who is responsible for the Muslim Ummah. He took this position very seriously. Once Muawiyah ibn Khudayj, <coughs> he came to Medina after the conquest of Egypt. Egypt is from the many lands that was conquered by the Muslims during the time of Umar ibn al-Khattab and we'll speak about the conquest of Egypt in detail a little bit later inshallah. But once Egypt was conquered, Muawiyah ibn Khudayj who was part of the Muslim army that conquered Egypt, he came back to Medina to give Umar the good news that we have been successful in the conquest of Egypt. So he comes back to Medina, Muawiyah ibn Khudayj to give Umar the good news. And when he enters the city, when Muawiyah ibn Khudayj enters the city of Medina, it is around noon time, the time of noon. And it was the habit of the people that they would generally around noon time, they would take a small nap, a short nap. And this nap is called the Qaylula, short nap. Right? Because they would get up at Fajr or even before Fajr and they would be up, you know. They would not sleep after Fajr. But then around noontime, they would just take a quick nap, a short nap. This was the habit of the people. So Muawiyah, he comes into Medina at this time, at the time where most people would be taking this Qaylula, this short nap. So he decides to wait. He comes into Medina and he decides, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to disturb Amirul Mu'mineen. Perhaps he might be taking a nap right now. So I'm not going to go to him. I'm not going to enter upon him right now. I'll just wait and after Salat al-Asr, then I will go and I will tell him the good news. Because he thought that perhaps Amirul Mu'mineen is sleeping. But the reality is that he was not sleeping. Umar radiallahu anhu was not sleeping. And he came to know that Muawiyah ibn Khudayj is in town. So he called for him. He sent someone to bring Muawiyah to him. So Muawiyah is brought to Umar. And Umar radiallahu anh asks him, what brings you here? And then Muawiyah tells him that, yes, I'm coming back. Alhamdulillah, we have successfully conquered Egypt by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he gives him the good news. Then Umar radiallahu anh asked him, so why didn't you come directly to me? Why did I have to call for you? You came into Medina to give me this news, obviously. So why didn't you come directly to me? Why did I have to find out from someone else that you're here in town and I had to call for you? And then Muawiyah, he gives him the reason. He says, yes, yeah, Amir al the reason for this, I came right around noon time, and I thought that perhaps you're taking a nap. So because of that, because of that thought, 
I didn't want to disturb you and I thought I will just wait a few hours and after Asr I would give you the news. And then Umar radiallahu an, what did he reply to this? He said, What a bad thought that you had, that I'm sleeping. He says, He said, how can you think that I was sleeping? If I sleep in the daytime, then I will not be able to take care of the affairs of my people. I am in charge of all of these people. I'm in charge of the Muslim Ummah. How do, how do you think I can sleep in the day? And if I sleep in the night, then I will lose myself. In the night, I have to make sure that I pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that I pray Qiyam al-Layl, that I pray Tahajjud. So I can't sleep in the day or I will neglect the rights of the people. And I can't sleep in the night because then I will, I will neglect the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon me. So Umar radiallahu anhu, basically he didn't used to sleep like a regular sleep. The sleep of Umar ibn Khattab after he became the Khalifa, it was just in small pockets. Like he would sleep five minutes here, 10 minutes there. Just he, would, he would just sleep for, for very short intervals from time to time. A little bit in the day and a little bit in the night. But he would not have like a sleep schedule. Like I sleep from this time to this time for this many hours, nothing like that. He would just take whatever few minutes he could, whenever he could, whenever he had a little bit spare time. Just doze off for a few minutes and that's it. That was his sleep. That is how seriously he took his responsibility of being in charge of the Muslim Ummah. Also from the carefulness of Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu, that he would not do any type of injustice upon anyone, is that he was very severe upon his own family. He wanted to make sure that his own family does not get any unfair advantages due to the fact that he is Amirul Mu'mineen. So he was extra strict upon them. And he was extra severe upon them. He actually gathered his family to tell them this as well. When he became the Khalifa, he gathered his family. And he said to them, look, the people will be looking at you to see what you are doing. They'll be looking at you like a hawk looks at the body of a dead animal. They'll have their eyes on you. They will see that if you are obeying me, you are my family and you are obeying my orders, then they will also obey my orders. They will take you like an example. But if they see you are disobeying me, then they will say, look, if his own family can disobey him, then we can disobey him too. So he made sure he gave this warning to his family. People will have their eyes on you, so you better be careful. And then he said to them, I am going to be the most strict with you. I'm going to be more strict with you than I am with the general public. So he was the most strict with his own family. And he said, <coughs> and he said if I find any of you disobeying my orders, any of my own family members disobeying my orders, the punishment for them will be double the punishment for a common member of the public. A common member of the public disobeys, yes, he will get his punishment. But if one of my family members does the same thing, the same type of disobedience, then he will get double the punishment. So this is how strict he was with his own family. And you see, this is the opposite of many of the rulers today, right? 
If you're from the family of the ruler, then you know you basically do whatever you want in most countries. But Umar he was the opposite way. He was like, no, if you're part of the family of Umar ibn al-Khattab, you have to be more careful than everyone else because you're going to be punished more severely than anyone else if you do something wrong. From the carefulness of Umar ibn al-Khattab is that he made sure that he never accepted any gifts from anyone. Right? He wouldn't accept gifts from anyone because of his position, because of his authority. Just to close the door to any type of bad thoughts that people may have of bribery or any other type of corruption. So he wouldn't accept gifts from people. And he wouldn't allow his family members to accept gifts from people either. Once Abu Musa al-Ash'ari who was appointed as the governor of Basra by Umar ibn Khattab Abu Musa also one of the great companions of the Prophet So once Abu Musa al-Ash'ari he sent a gift to one of the wives of Umar ibn Khattab Atika bint Zayd he sent a small sajjada like a small prayer rug to her as a gift so Umar radiallahu anhu when he came home he saw his wife with this prayer rug and he noticed it and he said what is this where did this come from and then she mentioned that it, it was a, a gift from Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiallahu so then Umar radiallahu anhu he became angry and he ordered for Abu Musa to be brought to him he ordered his people go get Abu Musa al-Ash'ari and bring him to me and bring him to me in a very harsh way don't just say, Ya Abu Musa, Amir al-Mu'mineen, Umar wants to see you, please come with us. No, not like this. Get him, grab him, and drag him over here to me. This is what he ordered. So they, they followed the command of Umar ibn al-Khattab. They went and they got Abu Musa and they dragged him to Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. And then Umar radiallahu anhu asked Abu Musa al-Ash'ari, what is this? Why are you giving these type of gifts to my family? And then Abu Musa said, it was just a gift, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, there is nothing behind it. And then Umar radiallahu anhu said, we don't need any of your gifts, don't ever do this again. Don't ever bring any gifts for my family again. And then he took that sajjada, he took that prayer rug, and he started hitting Abu Musa al-Ash'ari on his head with it. To teach him that this is, this is not what he wants. That we do not want any type of gifts. So this is how careful he was to avoid any type of, of semblance of corruption. So he was very straightforward and very, very careful with his responsibility. He didn't want to open the door for this, for the rulers, families receiving gifts that could lead, you know, to people having bad thoughts that, okay, this person gave him a gift and now, you know, Maybe he will get preferential treatment, this, that. He wanted to close the door to any of that type of stuff. So no gifts at all. He was very careful about this. In another incident that shows how careful he was and how strict he was with his own family, once the son of Umar ibn Khattab an, Abdullah ibn Umar an, and Abdullah ibn Umar an, also a companion a young companion of the Prophet and he was very well known for strictly adhering to the Sunnah of the Prophet Abdullah ibn Umar 
So during the rule of his father, when Umar ibn Khattab was the ruler of the Muslims, Abdullah ibn Umar, his son, he bought some camels to do business with them. He bought some thin camels, thin, weak camels. They were cheap, right? And then his intention was to take the camels and let them graze and let them become fat and strong and then sell the camels for more, make a profit. This was one of the types of business that the Arabs used to do with the animals, with the camels. They would buy the thin camels, feed them. When they get fat, sell them for a profit. <coughs> so this is what Abdullah bin Umar did. He bought some thin, weak camels. And then he took these camels to the public grazing area where the camels would graze. It's just a public area open for everyone where you can take your camels and they can eat. It is called Al-Hima. So he took his camels there, like everyone else was taking their camels, to eat there. So after some time, his camels, they became big and fat and strong. And then Abdullah bin Umar, he took these camels to the souq, to the market, to sell them. So he takes these big, fat, strong camels now to the market, ready to sell them. And his father sees him. Umar bin Khattab sees Abdullah bin Umar with these fat camels. And he asks him, ha, ah, what is this? Where did you get these camels? What are you doing here? And then Abdullah bin Umar, he tells his father, he said, Oh my father, I bought these thin camels, thin and weak camels, and I took them to Al-Hima, I took them to the grazing land, like everyone takes their camels to the grazing land so they could eat there. And I did this for some time until they became fat, and now I want to sell the camels just like everyone else is doing. I want to just seek my rizq in this way, like everyone else, like the common Muslims are doing, like the public is doing. And then Umar radiallahu anhu, he said to his son, ah, your camels became fat in the grazing land, huh? Why do you think everyone else was letting your camels eat there? And they're being careful not to let their camels eat when your camels are eating. Why do you think that they let you do that? When they see, oh, the son of Amirul Mu'mineen has his camels, okay, then they will stand back and let your camels eat everything. They will neglect their own camels so your camels can eat. You don't think they were doing that? That's what they were doing. That's how your camels became fat. That's why. Don't think that this is just because of your own work. This is because everyone saw who you are and they let this happen. So yeah, go ahead, sell the camels. Sell the camels. But you can only take back the amount that you paid for those camels. You cannot make any profit on this. When you bought those camels when they were thin and weak for that price, that is what you can take. Sell it for how much ever you can sell it. Whatever the profit is, it has to be given to the Baytul Mal. It has to be given to the treasury. Whatever profit is there, it has to be given to the treasury. You can only take back the initial amount what you invested in those camels when you bought them when they were weak and thin. That's how much you can take back. The rest of it has to go back into the treasury. See how careful he was here? He didn't want the fact that someone is related to him to give them any type of benefit. Like, oh, you're related to Amirul Mu'mineen, so you're getting some benefit from that. No, 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 no way. So that's how careful he was, and that is how he dealt with his own family members in such a way. Look at this. Look, look how clean he is. Look how strict he is. Look how far away from any type of corruption he is. Radiallahu anhu wa
In another incident that happened that shows Umar عنه, and his strictness with his family, two of the sons of Umar ibn al-Khattab they participated <coughs> in the conquest of Iraq, in the battles that took place in Iraq that we spoke about in the previous lessons. Two of the sons of Umar were part of those armies. Abdullah ibn Umar and Ubaidullah ibn Umar. So they participated in those conquests in Iraq and when they were going to come back to Medina, when they were leaving Iraq and they were about to come back to Medina, they met with Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiallahu anhu who was there in Iraq. He was, the, he was the governor of Basra. So Abdullah ibn Umar and Ubaidullah ibn Umar, the two sons of Umar ibn Khattab, they meet with Abu Musa al-Ash'ari before they go back to Medina. And Abu Musa al-Ash'ari, he says to the two sons of Umar, he says, I have some money that I have to send to Medina, that I have to send to your father, that I have sent to Umar ibn Khattab. So can you take this money and you can deliver it to your father when you go to Medina? And then Abu Musa says, you know, there is something that you can do that will be of benefit to you as well. The money, I'm going to give it to you and you have to give that to your father. But I can give it to you right now as a loan and you can use that money to buy goods here in Iraq and sell it when you go to Medina. When you reach Medina, sell it and you'll make a big profit. And the original amount of money that I gave you, give that to your father as, part, as, as the right of the treasury. And whatever profit you make, you can keep that for yourself. This was what Abu Musa suggested to the two sons of Umar. Like for example, let's say he was giving them uh, 10,000 dinars. He said, you know, these 10,000 dinars, you have to take it to the treasury in Medina. But instead of doing that uh, up front, use the 10,000 dinars to buy goods here in Iraq. Take it to Medina, sell it for 20,000 dinars or 15,000 dinars and give the 10,000 dinars, the original 10,000 dinars, give it to Umar to, to put in the treasury and whatever profit you made, 5,000 dinars, 10,000 dinars, whatever it is, you can keep that for yourself. So they agreed to do this. They said, okay, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. So they took that money, they bought some goods from Iraq and they went back to Medina <coughs> and they sold it. They made good profit and then they were going to give the original amount to Umar ibn al-Khattab for the treasury and they were going to keep that profit for themselves. And Abu Musa al-Ash'ari had sent a letter to Umar ibn al-Khattab telling him that I'm sending this money with your sons to give to you to put in the treasury. So when they reached Medina and they had sold the goods and they had made this profit, Umar radiallahu anh called his two sons, Abdullah and Ubaidullah. And he said, huh, did Abu Musa give the rest of the army loans like he gave you two? Or he only gave it to you two? And then they said, he only gave it to us. And then he said, okay. Give me the, the money, the original amount, and give me all of the profits too. You don't keep anything. Give it all to me. I'm going to put it in the treasury. So Abdullah ibn Umar, he was quiet. He didn't want to argue with his father. He didn't say anything. But Ubaidullah tried to argue a little bit. He said, oh my father, if we had lost the money, if we didn't make any profit, if we made a loss, wouldn't we be responsible for making it up from our own pockets? Like if we did this business with it and it was 10,000 dinars and let's say we, we sold the goods but we weren't able to make any profit, we made a loss and we ended up with only 7,000 dinars. Now, 
wouldn't we be responsible to take 3,000 dinars from our own pockets and give it to you? And Umar said, yes, you would be. Then he said, okay, so now it's just the other way around. We made profit. So if we would be responsible for the loss, why can't we keep the profit if it's the other way around? So he tried to, tried to argue with his father. Father didn't want to hear it. He just said, Give me the money and give me all of the profit as well. And then some of the people who were with Umar ibn al-Khattab, Umar radiallahu anhu, he used to keep in his majlis, in his gatherings, he used to keep the people of the Qur'an, the Huffaz, the ulama, he used to keep knowledgeable people around with him in his gatherings. So one of those people who was with him, hearing this whole conversation, he suggested to Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, لَوْ جَعَلْتَهُ قِرَاضًا Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, maybe you can make it a qirad. Qirad, it means... For example, there is someone who has money, he has capital, but he doesn't want to do any type of, of work. But there's another guy who doesn't have any money, but he's willing to do some work. So the guy who has the money says to the guy who's willing to do work, okay, I'll give you $10,000. You do some work with it, you make money from it, and you keep half of the profit and you give me half of the profit. So basically like a silent partner. One partner does the work, one partner gives the money, and both of them share the profit. I get to have profit because I'm the one who gave the money, and you get to have profit because you're the one who did the work. So this is called qirab. So you split the profit half and half. So one of the, the scholars who was with Umar an, he suggested him do this. Ya Amir Mu'mineen, law ja'altahu qiraadan. Make it a qirab, so that let them keep half of the profits that they made, and you can take for the treasury half of the profits. So for example, if the original amount was 10,000 dinars, and they made 5,000 dinars profit, then Umar radiallahu anhu will take the 10,000 dinars, and he will take half of that 5,000 as well. So he'll take 12,500, and leave half of the profits for them, so they can keep 2,500. Because they did do work, they brought it, and they did business with it, and they made money off of it, so they actually made efforts here. So even though that money was not originally theirs, it wasn't their money. So half of it should go along with the original investment. Half of it should go to the Baytul Mal. Because it wasn't these people's money to begin with. But because they did work and they made efforts to sell, they should have some type of, of profit for that as well, so they can keep half of the profit. This was the suggestion that was made to Umar ibn Khattab. So Umar radiallahu anhu, he thought about this and he said, yeah, okay, this makes sense. I will make it a qirab. <coughs> so then he told his sons, you can keep half of the profit and give me back the original amount and also half of the profit. So still, he ended up, the treasury ended up with more than Abu Musa actually said. So see, this was the way of Umar ibn Khattab Very, very careful, very, very strict with his family. Usually, when you see a person who is in a position of power and authority, his family becomes happy. They say, okay, now we're on easy street. My dad is the ruler, my dad is this, my uncle is this. Now I can do whatever I want. But you see here for the family of Umar ibn Khattab it was the opposite way around. They, they were under extra stress because their father was Amir al-Mu'mini. And this is how it should be. Nobody should have any type of unfair advantages 
or benefits over other people just because their family or their a member of their family is in a position of power or authority. It should not be like this. So Umar radiallahu anhu, he was a man of fairness, he was a man of justice, and all of these is incidents just prove that. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with him and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with all of the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Inshallah we will stop there for tonight and next week we'll continue with the biography of Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu bi'ithmillah. Jazakumullah khaira. Wallahu a'lam sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.